If you have a Bible with you, uh, open it up to Proverbs 4. Since May, we've been in a series uh, called Wisdom for Life, teaching from the book of Proverbs. Uh, the next couple Sundays, we'll be here as well, looking at the subjects of our speech next Sunday, and then the following Sunday, looking at the subject of money and what Proverbs has to say about that. Today, we are looking at uh, an encouragement to family, specifically to children and parents. And in order to speak to those two roles, we'll be in a handful of different places in Proverbs. Now, keep in mind, the truth found in this book applies far more than simply to uh, parents and kids. And so if you're neither of those on the present day here, the Spirit is still speaking. The Word is still alive and active, and the Spirit is still seeking to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. So I have one general encouragement that will kind of be a, a thread throughout the whole message, and then a couple specific exhortations to, to, first of all, to children and then to parents. First, we start in Proverbs 4, chapter, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23 is the focus, but I want to read the, the context and the verses around us, around it, to help us get a better understanding of it. In the CSB translation, starting in verse 18, it says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips uh, talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. So you get a picture of a father speaking to a son, and the son is listening, and the, and the father is giving words that are really to guide the child's life. Pay attention. Listen closely. Don't lose sight of these words, because if you listen, if you live by them, these words will help set the course for your life. And according to verses 18 and 19, the father's desire is to see the child walk on the path of the righteous that is marked by light and life and not to walk on the path of the wicked that is marked by darkest gloom. In the Bible, the heart represents the life center of all that we are. It's the core of who we are, the wellspring, as verse 23 says. Jesus said the words that we speak flow out of our hearts. We'll look at that reality next Sunday. The choices we make flow out of our hearts. The direction of our lives is determined in our hearts before we even take a step. The gospel tells us that that our hearts, that while we were made in the image and likeness of the Lord, that since Genesis 3 and the fall of humanity, a sin DNA has been passed down generationally. We are born with hearts not prone to worship the Lord with everything we have, but, but rather worship us and live for sin and self. As a result, Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that apart from faith in Christ, that our hearts are desperately wicked. They're deceitful above all things, but the good news of Jesus Christ enters into that, that bad news of our sin and rebellion, and when we repent and believe the good news, when we transfer our trust away from ourselves onto the Lord Jesus, our hearts are made new. Ezekiel 36 tells us that our dead hearts of stone and sin are transformed. They're replaced. We are given instead a heart of tender flesh. We are born again. 
We experience a rebirth, and the core of who we are radically changes, and a new direction is set, a direction toward living for the one who died and rose again for us, a direction that seeks to walk on the path of the righteous that is marked by light and life. Brothers and sisters, our hearts are worth guarding above all else. Our hearts are extremely valuable. I leave my garbage can sit outside our home all night, every day of the year. I don't wheel them down our bedroom hallway into our bedroom at night. Why? Because our garbage cans are worthless, and they're holding worthless items, even on garbage night. I can sit them by the road. Our street is dark as night. Leave them unguarded, and they're there in the morning. Now, on the other hand, when we're gone from our house, or when we are sleeping, we lock our house. Why? Because there are things in our house that are valuable. Our house itself is valuable when we're sleeping. I, in my humble opinion, I think the people sleeping there are valuable. You and I, on a daily basis, whether things we lock up, things we hold on to, demonstrate that certain things have value. If you have a wallet, purse, or phone, you probably know exactly where that is right now. It's probably near you or on you all the time. I'm not saying that's a good thing as far as the phone. But if you lost these things, if you misplaced them, you would have anxiety quickly going, where, where is that? Where is that? Because it has value to you. In the command to guard, it implies that we'll be guarding our hearts from something. When we lock our cars, our apartments, our houses, we are guarding them from something or someone on the outside who would, who would desire to cause harm. So dear family, guard your heart, for there is most certainly a spiritual enemy who is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Seeking to tempt you to forsake the path of the righteous and walk on the path of the wicked. Whose singular mission is to lead you away from light and life found only in Jesus Christ and toward darkness and gloom that is notoriously rooted in sin and self. Our hearts are the source. They reflect, they reveal who we are. So knowing that, then the source needs to be guarded. We don't want to see the life flowing from our hearts polluted, but rather we want to see that life that flows from it flourishing in the Lord, enjoying the Lord. And so our hearts must be kept for and guarded for the Lord's wisdom. This morning, I want to look at Proverbs that I believe will be an encouragement to children and to parents as we seek to live by wisdom of the Lord, wisdom that leads to life. And with each role, There'll be an encouragement to guard our hearts from this so that our hearts might be kept for this over here. Guarding from this temptation so that it might be kept for this truth. So with that, turn to Proverbs 23. Children, you're up first. An encouragement to sons and daughters who are still living under the authority of their parents, meaning you are still dependent upon your parents, not just for your physical needs and financial provision and those kind of things, but even more so, they are still a God-ordained authority in your life to help care for and shepherd your hearts. So in the CSB translation, Proverbs 23, verses 22 through 25. Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. Buy and do not sell truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of a righteous son will rejoice greatly, and one who fathers a wise son will delight in him. 
Let your father and mother have joy and let her who gave birth to you rejoice. Children, guard your heart from the temptation to sell wisdom. Instead, may your heart be prone to buy and store up wisdom and in doing so, that the overflow of your heart, that the life's direction might be toward the light and life found in Jesus Christ. About a year ago, I sold our riding mower because I no longer needed it. The house we'd moved into was a smaller yard, and, and actually to, to use the riding mower on our yard was more cumbersome and led to more work, and I had no room to put it. We had moved from a two-car to a one-car garage. I didn't know where I was going to put it. I really didn't need it. It lacked value to me, and so I sold my riding mower because it lacked value that it had in previous homes. At the same time, I went out and bought a nice push mower. And no, I also didn't go out and buy a pair of white New Balance shoes. I just want to give the right image in your head, okay? There's no braided belt, no white shoes. I'm still wearing some black sneaks, okay? Just, just want to set the stage. I went out and bought the push mower because it had value to me. It's what I needed. I sold what no longer had value and bought what now had value to me. Children, students, the wisdom of the Lord has eternal value. It has value for your life at whatever age you are today. And that value remains as old as you get. It never goes out of style. The wisdom of the Lord has one goal, to lead you toward life. To lead and guide you toward a life that that glorifies the Lord and enjoys Him forever. Now your heart is continually faced with the temptation, though, to sell wisdom of the Lord to get rid of it, to discard it, incorrectly thinking it no longer has value. And there are three sources that try to get you to sell wisdom. The first is the world, the world that we live in, its patterns, its rhythms. And the world is often saying in regards to the wisdom of the Lord, oh, that's outdated. That's out of touch. It no longer applies. I mean, you believe the words of the Bible and the world's logic is, This has no value anymore. And instead, let's replace it with what culture believes, which is constantly changing. Constantly changing by the winds of public opinion. The second source that that tries to get us to sell the Lord's wisdom is the devil, our spiritual enemy. And yes, you and I have a very real spiritual enemy. And yes, you and I are caught up in a a very real spiritual battle on the daily. That's been taking place since Genesis 3. And the lie that the devil continues to use today is the same one he used in the garden, and it's this. Did God really say? Did God really say? So when we hear the truth of the Lord, Satan loves to whisper, yeah, but, but did, God, did God really say you won't die? I mean, did God really say these boundaries lead to life? I mean, isn't, isn't life and freedom and joy found outside these boundaries? Did God really say? I mean, come on. And behind the scheming questions is an enemy who is seeking to get you to sell. Get you to sell eternal wisdom and buy the lies that lead to destruction and death. Of course, destruction and death are never advertised on the front end. But that's where they lead. The final source that is tempting you to sell wisdom is that as if it has no value, is not out there. It's in here. It's our own hearts. 
It's your own sin-prone flesh that we are born with. And the, and the lie that of our flesh to tempt you and I to sell truth is, but I want to. <laughs> I want to. I, I want to live for me. I want to live for this moment. I want to live for earthly life alone. And your own flesh, according to James 1, if left unchecked by the Holy Spirit and by the grace and goodness of, of God and by the gospel, if left unchecked, our own flesh will grow and dominate our life, again, leading to spiritual death. In all of these, whether the world, the devil, or our own flesh, there's a false teaching going on, and it's this, it's trying to get you to think that the Lord of life is against you, is out to kill your joy, that if you live according to His ways, that your joy in this life will be diminished. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus Himself said in John 10.10 10, that He has come to give life and life to the full, abundant life. That doesn't mean pain-free. That doesn't mean trouble-free. It does mean that, that when you experience pain and trouble, that you can still live with courage because your faith is not in anything that's shakable. Your faith is in the unshakable, eternal Lord Jesus who is above all, beat death on the third day, ascended to heaven, one day returning, who's currently reigning and ruling. So what does buying and selling truth, wisdom, instruction, understanding, what does it look like? Well, verse 22 answers that question for us. Listen to your father who gave you life and don't despise your mother when she's old. To listen is to buy wisdom. To despise and disregard is the equivalent of selling wisdom. And we also learn here in verse 22 that one source of truth, wisdom, instruction, understanding are godly fathers and mothers. They're not the only source of the Lord's wisdom, but students, if you have a mom and or a dad who is seeking to follow Jesus with their life, and they're a disciple of Jesus, they're, they're looking to reflect Him, grow up into Him, then listen, they are most certainly one voice of God's truth in your life, a voice that should not be dis regarded. Their spiritual authority in your life doesn't imply that they are perfect in their faith. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of His grace, word, and spirit to live the Christian life. I would venture to say that for most of you, your parents have been following Jesus longer than you have. And the Lord saw fit to place you into that family tree, and He has blessed you with a mom and or a dad who is seeking to shepherd and love you well in the midst of their own shortcomings, in the midst of their own areas that they are seeking to grow up in the Lord in. Students, what does your way of life say right now? Are you buying or are you selling? I'm not asking what your lips would say is the right answer as we gather in a church building. I'm asking, what is the other six days of the week? What's that answer? What's that reveal about your heart? Are you listening for truth and wisdom and instruction and understanding from the Lord? Is that your posture? Is your heart characterized by listening or despising? Students, please hear my heart on this. Some of you are selling truth right now. And you're buying the lies of the world and the devil and your own flesh. And if that's you, and, the, and here's what the Spirit is speaking to you. Repent. Turn around. 
turn toward the goodness of the Heavenly Father who is for you and gave of His one and only Son, sacrificed His own Son's life so that you could find life in Him. Not through your works, but simply as a gift through faith alone and by grace alone. He's been that good to you. He continues to be that good to you. Stop running from Him. He's too good to run from. Luke 15 reminds us that He, along with all of heaven, rejoices when you return home with a humbled heart and ears ready to listen and a heart prone to buy, buy wisdom and store it up. Wisdom that leads to life. Listen again to verses 24 and 25. The father of a righteous son will rejoice greatly. The one who fathers a wise son will delight in him. Let your father and mother have joy and let her who gave birth to you rejoice. When sons and daughters are prone to buy and obtain and value wisdom of the Lord and live in light of it, it brings a deep, deep joy to their fathers and mothers. Because in that way, the joy of an earthly parent is just this really small reflection of the Heavenly Father's joy of His son or daughter that He's adopted through the sacrifice of His own Son. Those two verses there, 24 and 25, ring so so true to Heather and I as parents of a 23 and 21-year-old daughter and son. Having walked through some really hard and desperate years as parents, having seen our children in different ways sell wisdom and despise instruction and truth, but now, thanks be to the grace, love, and goodness of the of the Lord to see our children and and their spouses now presently walking with the Lord, being buyers of truth and wisdom. I can tell you, after 45 years, there's nothing that has brought us greater joy. There's nothing in this life that has brought me greater joy than that. The sorrow and heartache associated with their rebellion was one of the most intense emotional seasons I've walked through in life let alone as a father. But the depth of that heartache is overcome a thousandfold. When you see a child turn from selling truth and turn toward buying it and valuing it and storing up and living in light of it and it impacting those around them, it's Luke 15 where repentance leads to rejoicing and delight and celebration. It leads to a parent's worship of the Lord who is doing the transforming work. And who will alone get the glory? Children, guard your heart from the temptation to sell wisdom. Instead, may your heart be prone to buy wisdom. And in doing so, the overflow of your heart might lead to life in Christ. May your heart be prone to get wisdom and truth and see your parents as a source of it. May your repentance lead not only to your joy, but the joy of your mom and your dad and those around you. Now turn to Proverbs 14. Parents, I want to encourage you. Proverbs 14, 26. And this encouragement can apply to any sort of stage of parenting, whether you're changing diapers or you're flying free as empty nesters or somewhere in between. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge. The NLT says it this way, Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. Parents, here's my encouragement to you and I. Guard your heart from living for lesser things. Instead, may your heart 
be prone to fear the Lord and live in awe of who He is above all else. May your growing anchor in Christ lead not only to your security and confidence, but a refuge for the generations that follow you. I want us to see three things in this passage, parents. The first is, you and I are called to fear the Lord. What does that mean? Paul Tripp writes this, Fear of the Lord means that I carry around with me such a deep awareness, awe, and reverence for the power, holiness, wisdom, and grace of God that I would not think of doing anything other than living for His glory. Fear of the Lord means that I carry around with me such a deep awareness, awe, and reverence for the power, holiness, wisdom, and the grace of God that I would not think of doing anything other than living for His glory. Now, Romans 1 tells us that we're all born with, whether we're a parent or not, but every human is born with hearts that are prone to trade in the fear of the Lord and instead worship lesser things, to sell the awe of the Lord and instead buy or live for created things, earthly things that we think are awesome but are simply earthly. And the Bible word for that sinful exchange is idolatry. Parents, your, your children need to see in your way of life your pursuit of a life that lives in reverence to the goodness and the grace and the power of God. Your children don't need to see perfection in you because perfection is not possible. They do need to see you making progress and to see a real daily active relationship with Jesus lived out, a relationship that's shaping your words and your way of life. And what Proverbs 14, 26 shows us is that as we seek to live lives for His glory and not ours, it provides security and strength both to parents and the next generation. Our fear of, our worship of the Lord leads to a life that is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ, according to Matthew 7, and not the shaky sands of idolatry. When we live for and give ourselves to earthly idols, it leads not to a strong confidence, but a shaky one because idols aren't eternal. Idols are dead, worthless, lifeless. But the person who says, I'm going to seek to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I'm going to put my trust and dependence upon the Lord. I'm anchoring my soul and my life to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That leads to a security, a confidence, not in self but in the Savior who was and is faithful. So when trials and tests and trouble in life occur, a person that is trusted in the Lord is held fast by the Lord. I'm not implying that as a parent, you don't feel the house shake in the midst of the trouble. I'm not implying that as your kids get older and that you're in the middle of the trial, that you pretend it's not happening. That's called being a liar. We don't pretend that it's not happening. When we walk through difficulty as parents, I can tell you that one thing that grew out of that hardship was our trust in the Lord. That He was faithful. And He's good. No matter the circumstances. And no matter the end result. That no matter what the end looked like, He would still be faithful. And He'd still be good. And it wasn't like we learned that overnight. My wife, I guarantee, picked it up faster than I did. But it wasn't like either one of us lived it or learned it overnight. But especially in hindsight that it's 2020, 
I can tell you that our confidence in the Lord grew. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is not just at work in your child. He's at work in you. He's not just shaping and transforming your child. He's shaping you. Don't despise that. Don't reject that. Don't miss that. Welcome it. Receive it. It's a gift. It's a gift of grace. The last thing I want you parents to see is that your fear of the Lord leads also to providing a refuge for your children. A refuge, meaning a a place to find security and strength and rest. So that would apply to our physical dwellings. There's a literal rest there, a retreat in the midst of spiritual battle, but it also applies to the relationship you have with that son or daughter. That as you grow in your love for the Lord, that, that you might be a growing reflection of who the Lord is to your children, a reflection of the fullness of His grace and truth. There's a sequence here to Matthew 14, 26. Parents are to lead the way in living for the awe of the Lord. Parents go first so that your children might have a close-up view of what it looks like. It's 1 Corinthians 11.1. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's Christian parenting. That's disciple-making at home. Follow my worship of the Lord. Now, that, that isn't a formula that guarantees the salvation of the child. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's not a guarantee that if a parent walks with the Lord, that the child automatically will. We're, we're dealing with the human heart, remember? We're not dealing with robots. Neither you or they. So it's not a promise, but it most certainly is a pattern. It most certainly is a pattern for parents to follow in the mission to make disciples of Jesus at home. Charles Spurgeon said this of, of uh, Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure you go that way yourself, parents. Be sure you go that way yourself. A pastor I follow on social media shared this a couple weeks ago. It resonated with me, as, especially as I look back on raising our kids. He said this, The work of parenting is very often the work of repenting. The work of parenting is very often the work of repenting. So the same question I ask of the kids, I ask of you parents. Are you selling? Are you buying? Wisdom. Wisdom from the Lord. Instruction. Truth. Understanding of the Lord. Where the Lord is leading you to repentance. May you be quick and humble to do so and may you invite and welcome your kids into that repentance and talk with them in age-appropriate ways. That's been one of the sweetest gifts as our kids have gotten older. Being able to talk about our repentance as parents alongside them. Not in a closet, not hidden away, but alongside them because that that gives them a pattern to follow. For our repentance leads to rejoicing in heaven and dad and mom, it, it leads to a refuge for the next generation. It sets a pattern for your children to follow as they grow. Oswald Chambers says that the best way to guard your heart is to abandon your heart to Jesus. You guard it not by hunkering down in a bomb shelter. 
you guard it by living out the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Enjoying Him, hearing Him through His Word, gathering alongside His people for fellowship, abiding in Him as a way of life. May we be a church of brothers and sisters of multiple generations, brothers and sisters in Christ, abandoning our hearts to the Lord Jesus. For in the gospel, we see that He first loved us with such extravagant love and continues to love us with transforming grace and power, love that may we not run from, but may we run toward and enjoy and be changed by it. Father, thank You for the gospel. Thank You for sending Your Son to rescue and redeem us. Lord, thank You for the good news of Jesus Christ. Good news that not only leads to our salvation, but good news that is the fuel and the joy and the life and the strength and the peace on on the daily. Lord, help us guard our hearts from the temptation to sell wisdom. Help us instead be people who store up wisdom, who buy wisdom, and in doing so, the overflow of our heart would lead to life in Christ. Lord, help us guard our hearts from living for lesser things. May our hearts be prone instead to live in awe of who you are above all else. Help us turn from the idolatry that we are all tempted with, idolatry that is in the midst of shaky sands, and turn toward you. May you alone be the anchor of our lives, the rock upon which our feet find themselves, the anchor leading to a growing confidence in you and a refuge for the generations that follow. May our repentance be an act of worship and devotion to you. And thank you that our repentance leads to the rejoicing of heaven and the good and the joy of our own hearts, let alone those around us. May you get the glory alone. We pray this in your name. Amen. Psalm 145, the first half of it says this, I exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will bless your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great and faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. All you have made will thank you, Lord. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. May one generation, whatever generation you find yourself in, Declare to those in front and behind how good the Lord has been.